Hello, my name is Janice D. Gordon, and this is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 43 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn Sales as one of 15 innovating sales influencers to follow. In today's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast, I speak to a revenue leader that very much works from seed to Series B stage funding. So very much startup. And she says it feels like you're in a constant headwind, sometimes even a tornado. And talking about optimizing um, salespeople in the sales operation, she says, really honestly, it's so early stage that every person matters in the sale. And so you may not have all of the plays in place for the go to market strategy. You're still proving the product and establishing what other marketing message that you you have, what matters most to your customers, who is your ideal customer. There is so much to play for. But actually, this is the level she absolutely thrives on and loves the um, the fact that every day is com- completely um, different. And so you're going to love the conversation, get lots of insight and and learning from um, our guest here today. My next guest is a growth leader in vertical SaaS. Her focus has been on construction technology for the last nine years. Spending 20 years in marketing, she has transitioned to leading revenue teams for C to Series B stage companies. Passionate about growth and problem solving. She says if there are rules, she can't help but break them. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Virginia Shirley Lucet. How are you? I'm fantastic. Brilliant. Now, let me tell listeners, I met this amazing woman at GTM Pavilion in Nashville, and we were just doing this. You know, you know, there's people that you really connect with. So I'm so happy to have Virginia on my Scale Yourselves podcast because you're going to love her, her too. So welcome. It's good to have you here. Well, thank you. So can I just add that you are this magnetic force and that I immediately was like, I just, I think I said to you, you are my, like my full sister and that I just, I gravitated towards you. So thank you. It's amazing meeting you. And like, like you said, it was just, it was such a back and forth conversation. I just felt your presence, which is amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's lovely when you do kind of just connect with people. And that's the the whole point. It doesn't always happen quite so instantly, which is wonderful. So I'm really excited about that. We're going to talk about what you're doing and how amazing you are. But I'm really excited about the next phase of your life and making decisions and moving forward. And we we're kind of talking bits about that as well when, when we met. So so tell me what you're moving on to, where you're going. So 2024 is 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 my year, is my year of saying of saying yes. And I think we all get to this point in our lives where we have an exceptional amount of you know experience, expertise, skills, um, and I want to utilize them to the fullest. And so I'm you know starting my own advice 
advertising and consulting business for go to market. Um, and I like, you know, a lot of, a lot of leadership in, in marketing and revenue and revenue architecture and operations. And those are the things that I really love. I really love, you know, seed stage to series A. I love helping people grow their business and finding the right ways to do it, being really scrappy. And then also with a couple of, uh, Founders of, a, of another technology business that I had worked for, we're starting a go-to-market fund and called Laracia. And it's a, it's again a pre-seed to Series A fund where we're going to help um, startup founders really find their way, optimize their operations. But the really cool thing about Laracia is that we're not there to take over. We want to invest and get out. Um, we want to help them get to their to their next phase. And then turn it back over to them to 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 really feel like okay it's mine because a lot of times when you get in with go to market funds, you know there's the fear they're going to take over and they're going to start making decisions. That's not what we're here to do. We're just really here to help guide them, optimize what they're doing, um, really be their consultant and 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 friend and all of this because as you know it just gets crazy. Um, and then move on and and really help them just set them up for success and and move on and get out of their way. What I love about this is having you as part of the go to market fund is that one thing I often find with startups is you're the technical mind, the engineer, but you won't necessarily have the sales person. And I've, I've worked with quite a few accelerators uh, in the past and accelerator programs, and they always want to buy in sales because no one wants to do it them, them, themselves, which is the worst thing you can do. You know your product better than anyone else, and all they need to do is kind of upskill and, and not be so technical when they talk and think about the customer's language and, and what the, the customer's trying to do. So having you in place, having so many years of experience of uh, with seed organizations and helping them to upscale and to put the systems and processes in place is that that's almost more important than the funding really so i i really see that this is going to be such an exciting operation for any organize any uh, startup uh, organization that wants to kind of get funding but this is coming with you and your expertise it will be help them to kind of move forward a lot quicker hey, I, thank you and i love that and i and i agree i mean a large part of what you know is important i think in these stages is like the reality check right you have to get to your first million <laughs> Let, let's just be honest right and you're going to scratch and claw to get there but the best way to get there and the fastest way to get there is to really focus on your product, your customer, right? And are you start solving real problems? And then putting them at the center of the entire journey from first touch to hopefully expanding and moving forward with them. And I wanna bring that to the table for every one of these founders. And I also feel it's really important to have um, not only people that are in it and doing it every day, but, and, and have done it, but truth, truth tellers. You know, you know so many times when you hire as a CEO, Many people won't tell you the truth, and it's really up to you know, and, and up to these advisors to tell you the truth. Have that radical candor of like, yes, this probably isn't a ten billion dollar product. This is maybe a ten million dollar product. Are you okay with that, right? Um, and having some realistic, you know, conversations and and also helping them sell. Um, 
for me, sales is about building relationships and and consulting and advising in the in in a way that's going to be putting the other person first and having that outward, you know, belief on, on if I'm really here to help you because if your product isn't really here to help or you know empower someone or make them feel a certain you know better way then it's just going to go anywhere. So I'm excited about that opportunity, being able to do it in so many different facets. Um, and bringing years of that experience and failures to the table, hey, you can try that, um, but I wouldn't put 80% of your dollars in marketing right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and as you say, learning from failures, that's where the real learning is done. It's not the successes, it is the failures. So being able to kind of leverage that as well um, is, is excellent. Now tell me more about you say that you know in seed stage startup it feels like a constant headwind even a tornado why do you talk about it like that you know because the the ups and downs are greater at this stage you don't have a lot of um you don't have as many as many safety nets as you do in larger organizations it is definitely like you're pushing a boulder up a mountain because you don't have product market fit just yet. You don't, you're still trying to figure out who you're selling to, how you're selling, what's the, what's the right way to price your product. Um, is there really value? You're trying to figure out what those value statements. You don't have the customers that you can lean on as much. Um, it is not the easiest, it's not the easiest stage. You don't have a lot of wins yet under your belt. Um, and so you you feel it, you feel the lows because it just feels like a constant, like you're constantly running uphill. And then when you get to that one plateau where you can take a break, you know you have so much further to go, right? Because you can't run out of runway. You've got to be as efficient as you can with your runway dollars, but your burn rate is huge and you're just trying to get your customers and you can't rely on so many customers or logos and that sort of that social selling because it's not there and that proof. So, but when you do win, it's because you really had to throw it all out there. You really had to put yourself on the line to win. And so it feels amazing. But until you have repeatability and scalability, there's just, there's not a lot that you can count on. So it does become like that. Your, your CEO's focus can get moved quickly. Um, you know, you, you might find really quickly that the product that you thought would work doesn't, but you found another sort of glimmer of hope somewhere and you have to be agile and move. That, that's the stage and you really have to like it and enjoy it. And if you're somebody who's used to having processes in place, if you're used to like a certain structure, this is just not it for you, you know? I would so imagine that part of your, your, your role in the new um, fund is also to mentor and some having so much experience it just occurred to me that you, you to be in that environment you've got to as you say love that environment love the unpredictability and and have the flexibility of it but it takes a certain type of person and if you've never been that through that before you don't know that those lows you recover from them you don't know that the highs are not that often so having someone that has been there and, and coaching is that something that's part of your your remit absolutely it's you know it's a support system and the my co-founders 
um, are, you know, Brad Tavone and, and um, Todd Ben, and they were founders with a, a construction technology company, and they've been there with me, right? And we've, we've battled together, and we have these scars, and so we're uniquely um, fit for, for, for what we're doing, and we, we thrive in the environment. Not every personality thrives in that environment. So we are here to sort of mentor and guide and then offer, offer confidence. Like, it's okay. You're going to get there. But your first year to two years to three years is really not going to be easy. So just be ready for it. And like, you know, calm through the storm, right? Like, how do you get through this particular tornado? We're there. We're going to be there to walk you through it and create some sustainability while we're doing it. And maybe talk you off the ledge a little bit. Um, you know, and not every, not every fund has that, right? Not every fund can, can do that because they're not used to it. Or maybe they're, they're, they're really focused on that five-year return rate. We're really all about the first couple of years getting you stable. And then when we feel like, okay, yeah, your legs underneath you, well, we're going to walk away. And that's what we really love about what we're going to be doing and what I'm going to be doing. Because you've got at this stage, it's so important to have that support. Yeah, yeah. You say at uh, gender, they're really good at uh, learning how to know and showing up. Tell me more about that. So the the, the current company I'm working. Yes, in, yes. You know, we are learning that there's a time to walk away, even when it's um, it seems like it would be an amazing opportunity. But the truth is, we have you have to know your limitations, right? If you take on an enterprise deal and you're still in the, the seed stage and you're not sure that you can actually support it to the fullest capability, say no now because it's gonna kill you later. And we're able to do that. We're starting to say, you know, that's not the best, that's not gonna be the best fit for us right now at this stage and we don't feel like we'd be successful. And I think there's more to be said about being honest with these, like we work with enterprise companies, being honest with these enterprise companies to say, we're not going to be your best fit now. You come back in a year, maybe we will be. But if we do this now, we're not going to be able to support your feature request, your customization, and we're not going to be able to roll out to your enterprise customers in the timeline and the fashion that you deserve. That honesty is everything. And and I, you know, I believe and I the founders of Genda, I, I believe in them and I think they're amazing. And I love that transparency that they're willing to have. And and realizing that, you know. You'll, you'll have a better relationship in the end, right? The people are going to come for that. So we're well, getting... they often want to buy you more, don't they? What by having that honesty, they really want to work with you. I I I, I believe in that. I think that you know, there's that there is a thing. Winning at all costs costs you everything. That's just the truth, right? And so winning logos at all costs is really going to cost you more in the end. And I think, honestly, what would have happened, and some of the things, like we've had enterprise customers, if we'd have said yes, if we would have continued through the RFP process and spent all of our time, we would have been, we would have gone down the rabbit hole with them and lost focus because enterprise has many times when they want to do an enterprise rollout, they want the customization and the specialization and they're going to want that. They're paying for the service, right? If we would have said yes, we would have gotten lost in in their needs, and we wouldn't be able to grow to the company that I believe Jenna will will grow to in the future. Yeah, love that, love that. 
So what strategies do you use to optimize the salespeople in your sales operation? So we focus on enablement. A lot of it is like learning from what we've done in the past, watching recordings, doing a lot of the training in that way. I like to honestly talk to people about just being human in our sales organization. We don't have a lot because we haven't done a lot. There's not a lot to train people on, but if they have full product knowledge, but they understand the pains and we, we talk about pain and discovery and all of that as so, so important. So for us, training sales is really about pushing through and trying to help them discover impact at every single moment and using that impact to learn more, to consult and advise, and then move them forward. Right now, our stages are not fully set. There's not a true operational behind what processes behind it is if you were going to go to a $1 company or even a $10 million company. We're, you sort of learn as you go. You have fuzzy stages, right? But you realize that, you know, some deals are going to jump from discovery to, hey, you know, we're moving them, they're, they're quick. And then some through the enterprise are going to go through 100 stages and we have to go through security and IT compliance and all of that good stuff. But right now with what we're doing and how we're training people, we're really training them on how to actively listen, how to consult, when to say no, um, how to say yes, and, and, and how to be an active partner to them at every stage, realizing that, you know, every stage is about impact to them. And the faster that we can do that and the better we can do that, then the more likely we are going to get closer to the sale and be able to close. Um, and quality of leads is huge. Not everybody is a true opportunity, right? And in order to, to really understand opportunity, you absolutely have to ask a lot more questions than, yes, they wanted to see a demo. It's an opportunity. No, 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 no. Do they have a real pain? Can we deliver impact? Do we understand, you know, what their business objectives are? And if we don't know any of that, we can't even come close to, to, to making them a qualified opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I, to the level that you found yourself in and then realized, oh my gosh, this is what I absolutely love doing. I love creating. I love uh, being agile, I love helping other people. It seems to me this is really your comfort level at the, the most brutal end of, of growing organizations and, and sales. Was there a time when you thought, oh my gosh, I've found it, this is it? Yes. Um, and, you know, my husband will say I thrive off chaos. <laughs> and I, um, I worked for larger organizations. I worked for a large healthcare organization where you start years and you start having a lot of bureaucracy. And I am not one for bureaucracy. You know, when you take those personality tests, all of them for me um, come back to, I have always been a rebel. <laughs> I've always been independent. Um, I am not someone who you tell the rules rules to and go, and I go, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to follow up. Um, I was horrible in the military. I just, I knew, right, that this just, for me, I have to be able to to move and do what I think is right and have a strategy in place and then be able to change my mind when it doesn't work. And because that's how, you know, that's how you actually grow. And I, it's for me as a person and then for me career-wise. So absolutely, I fell into this, this sort of stage and it really just 
fit my personality. And I know that I'm not great in larger organizations where I have to sort of navigate the politics. I'm just, I would never be a good politician. <laughs> never, ever, ever. So for me, this is the stage that, that lets you be scrappy and you have to have grit and resilience. And those are two of my, I think my strongest attributes. So. Yeah, and telling the truth, being honest and open as as well, which is what you're teaching other people to be. It's not meant to be perfect. You know, not everybody that. Not every CEO wants to have a mirror. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what steps have you taken um, as a sales operation to develop buyer and customer centricity? Steps have I taken? Let me ask a little bit. Do you mean like as far as how we set up our operations or how we're helping understand that one a little bit more? Yeah. So how how you set up your operations? Because a lot of organizations talk about, yeah, we're buyer focused, we're customer focused, but they actually don't have the processes in place to make sure they get the feedback, to make sure that they are um putting the customer first so i'm just interested in uh, uh, you know what are you doing whether it's in the way you're training people or the the process how do you know that you are customer centric buyer focus you know it's it's such a great question because gender the organization that i'm in right now um it really has it comes from the customer success portion right we have we haven't always done a great job and in, in bringing in a head of customer success, it was really put forth to us like, I don't have enough to really drive success with our customers. And so taking that and moving it forward in our organization of like, what exactly need to know about the customer? What processes do they have in place? What do they care about? We had to really bring that customer success um, initiative forward right to the beginning of our sales. And so from our operations, we inviting them now into the conversation way earlier. They have actually informed our discovery, right? So we've discovered that if we don't ask these questions, that success can't understand the metrics, right? They won't get adoption. They won't get buy-in. And we know because of that customer feedback, because of the head of success, we were able to say, okay, we need buy-in from all of these participants. We need to know the processes earlier and we plan better because of our customer success team. And then we, yeah, we bring in implementation and customer success so early in the process because we want our customers to understand there's change management that has to be done. And in order to do that, we need to bring you in front of the people that are going to guide you through that. So that's a big part of our process is bringing them in early and not waiting to just hand over like, oh, it's the deal's done, hand it over. We're not doing that. The overlap also with sales is that sales will continue with that, right? So many complaints are in the industry is like, I have built this great enterprise relationship with the salesperson. Then once the sale was done, they were gone. And I count on this person. I, you know, we spent six months together. We want to keep that carryover where the AE will stay throughout a, a larger part of that, of, of the success journey as well, checking in, building more relationships, because there is expansion that we're trying to do. So it is operational in that way, definitely making sure that we are, every time success finds, here are some of the objectives and measurements that need to be done, then they're pulled forward into the sales process immediately of like, 
from the start discovery, if they don't have these processes in place, it's immediately addressable. We need to talk about it. We bring up what are the impact points and we talk, we look for emotional and rational impact points, right? Winning by design, what we talk about a lot, recurring revenue as a result of recurring impact, right? Uh, so we brought that forward into our sales processes. I love what you have to say. So many operations are still very siloed in that once you've done the deal, you throw it over to customer success and there's no real relationship. But the fact is, this is so important to the way that you sell and you're bringing it forward and, and uh, you know, looking at what are the metrics that you need and asking the right questions. So the whole operation is is aligned, which is I think that's how, how it should be. And if you're looking at retaining customers, which is your profit margin, then you have to do that. It's not an either or. It's really kind of um, uh, a collaboration between the two. You all own that customer success, don't you? Love it. Yeah. You know, if you're building a relationship, if you're creating a friendship, right? Not every time it's a friendship, but you really do try to establish trust with somebody you know, you don't just hand your friend over to another friend and be like, okay, bye, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's really, it's, I understand that we've got volume and there's so many other things that have to be done, but if you're putting the customer at the center, then your operations have to work around that. Instead of the other way, you see in so many patients that you put, instead of, you know, you put yourself in the middle and the customer has to actually work around you. Whereas if you put your customer in the middle, then yeah, you're going to have to change your operations. You're going to have to change that the AE doesn't just hand it off. Maybe they don't have the same, you know, maybe they can't hold as many accounts or maybe their account holding is like net new logos. You're going to have X percent of net new logos and then you have X percent of retention. But it really is up to that, that customer and making them feel comfortable. If it's just about you and the customer has to revolve around you, that's when you're just throwing them over to the, you throw them across the fence. They feel that. You and I feel that, right? It's not fun. No, no. So I'm going to change it up a little, little bit and ask you, if you're on a desert island, what would be the one thing you took with you, Virginia? I, you know, <laughs> this could change every day, but I would definitely take a book from, I would take like the Shakespeare anthologies <laughs> and, and music. I don't know, can I get in albums? <laughs> but... I would I'd definitely take a Shakespearean anthology, like the human dilemma, right? I'm very much human um, and an empath, and I love, I fell in love with Shakespeare really early on, young mm. age. Mm. Yeah, just of how brilliant that somebody can capture every aspect of humanity. And I think, you know, I, I'm sure there are people that will want to, want to contest this but it's hard to believe that there are any original stories after Shakespeare's <laughs> I think one or two might contest that but yeah I get you I'm with you 100% somebody will that's okay that's okay <laughs> so you've got the complete works of Shakespeare you can fill your boots on those on your desert island all right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> So Virginia, how can Liz hold of you? Uh, LinkedIn is the best way. Um, Virginia Sheree Lupet, and uh, yeah, I'm really receptive on LinkedIn to, to connecting and, and, and talking. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm so glad to have you on, on the podcast and I can't wait to see you again. 
live in the flesh. Uh, thank you so much. And I really look forward to following your progress uh, next year and all of the lucky companies that are going to get you um, supporting them through their, their, their first stage of, of their organizations because it couldn't be in better hands. Thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Your Sales Podcast, Virginia. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.